Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 9 of Revelation chapter 15. And we're going to be reading verses 5 and 6. Revelation 15 verse 5 says, And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open, and the seven messengers came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And I'll stop reading there. Last time we saw that the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony was uh, basically referring to the temple of the ark of the testimony, which was uh, in a tabernacle. And the ark of the testimony, both the ark and the two tables of stone, or two tables of testimony, as it's also called, represent the Lord Jesus Christ. They represent God himself. And and so this is referring to the temple of Christ. Now we've uh, heard of churches that call themselves the church of Christ. And that's basically what's being said here. The temple of the tabernacle, the testimony, or the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven was open. And then the seven messengers come out of the temple. Well, let's uh, look a little bit closer at how God defines temple spiritually in the Bible. And we'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. And in verse 16 and 17. Know ye not that ye, and ye is an old English plural pronoun instead of you. Today we, we say you singular and you plural, but, uh, the old English had a plural form of you to indicate more than one. So, as it says here, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that is the body of Christ. You, you uh, people that God has saved, ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? The, the children of God, and each and every one of them, are a part of the holy temple, the spiritual temple of God's elect. And we know that God refers to his people as the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the bride coming down out of heaven in Revelation, um, in the book of Revelation. And God refers to his people in, in many ways, and one of them is as 
a temple. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 20, uh, through the end of the chapter, it says in Ephesians 2.20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, to put this another way, basically, God is saying that his salvation program was a form of constructing a spiritual temple. And when he saved um, the people that he intended to save, those predestinated unto salvation from before the foundation of the world, and when he saved them, they were added to this temple until he completed the structure spiritually and 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 so they were builded together all of these elect people once they became saved for a habitation of God or a dwelling of God God would indwell this spiritual temple just as with the earthly temple um, in in Solomon's time, the building, the, the house of God was finished. Then the ark was put into the temple. And we'll uh, actually look at that a little later on, but that's the idea. First, it, it must be finished. Now in Hebrews chapter 3, uh, it doesn't say temple, but it speaks of the house in a very in the very same way. In Hebrews 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, Inasmuch as he who has builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. And that's very similar to um, whose temple ye are, as we read in 1 Corinthians. Whose house are we? Christ as a son over his own house whose house is built up or made of the the individual believers, the children of God, uh, each one that God saves. And uh, to make it even clearer, God um, very directly 
speaks to this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5. And there he says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones or living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now there it's, it's very plain. Ye, um, also as living stones are built up a spiritual house. God built his house. And, and this house um, is built upon the foundation of Christ and his sacrifice from the point of the world's foundation. Then, as each person throughout the history of the world became saved, they were added as a living stone upon the house. And, uh, and, and then the next stone and the next stone as the structure started taking shape. And then finally, at the very end of the Great Tribulation, at the very conclusion of the pouring out of the latter rain, God saved the last one to be saved. It, it was like placing the last living stone in this glorious building that God has been about building um, even before this world was created with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's plan to choose these people and, and God's plan to bring the gospel to them at some point in their life and to apply that shed blood of Christ from the foundation of the world to their hearts and redeem them at, at various points of time within each one of their lives until he completed his redemptive program and each one to be saved was saved and then the house was built. By May 21, 2011, the house of God was complete. Now isn't it really interesting when we read the uh, account in Matthew chapter 7, it's, it's just a little parable and yet it has tremendous truth contained in it that teaches us what happens at the point of a completed house. In Matthew 7, I'll I'll read verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, what can we learn from this little parable that Christ is giving? Well, we can learn the following things. 
that when Jesus is saying, I will liken him unto a wise man, the wise man is pointing to Jesus himself. He is the wise man that built his house. Remember, according to Hebrews 3, Christ has a son over his own house. Whose house are we? So Christ built his own house, his house upon a rock. And that is upon himself, upon his own atoning work from the foundation of the world. And, and, and once the house is built, because it says here, um, using that word built, not, um, I will liken him unto a wise man, uh, which, or unto which, building his house, it doesn't indicate that the building, uh, the construction work is ongoing, but built indicates the the work is complete. And, and yes, Christ died for his people from the foundation of the world, but it took the unfolding of history over 13,000 years for God to build that house upon that great foundation of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was necessary for the gospel to uh, apply the saving work of Christ through the word of God like hyssop would be dipped in a, in a bowl of lamb's blood and applied to the doorpost. God applied it to each one, applied it to this one and that one, and finished applying it, and then the house was built and not before. Then the temple was completed and not before. The temple was built, and as soon as it's built, then the rain descends, the floods come, the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And then uh, Christ gives the example of a foolish man who likewise built a house, but not upon a rock. And the very same elements of the storm come against that house that came against the wise man's house. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. It is telling us that when judgment day comes, and when the storms of the wrath of God, when the fires that are lit and kindled in his anger are poured out upon all the inhabitants of the earth, which include the children of God that are still remaining and alive, living on the earth in the day of judgment, that when this act of shutting the door of heaven, which um, impacts all, saved and unsaved alike, when God does this, and when he brings that severe trial against his people, they will endure, they will remain. And, and unto the end of it, until it's completed, and, and they will come through it as gold, silver, precious stones in a purified way. 
while on the other hand, the very same judgment of shutting the door, of putting out the gospel light, the very same spiritual fire that purifies the saints, that that um, doesn't harm them, but rather burns away the dross, the very same fire will burn up the wicked, it, it will destroy them because their house wasn't built upon a rock. And this time of testing, remember uh, also in 1 Corinthians 3, when uh, a little earlier those scriptures we read concerning the temple, it was said in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned... He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The fire is put to both. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. The storm assaults both houses, the wise man's house and the foolish man's house. But the gold, silver, precious stones comes through the fire. The wise man's house built upon a rock comes through the storm and God gets the glory because what's the difference in these structures? What's the difference in the houses between the wise and the foolish? The only difference is the foundation. Christ is the foundation. And so as the people of God do endure because God will make sure of it and and as they uh, finally at the end are left standing at the completion of judgment day well will they get glory no God gets the glory and the only reason they were able to withstand is because of the foundation the foundation is uh, highlighted the foundation is Christ and and that's the only difference between the houses. Well, um, let's let's go back to the Old Testament to Second Chronicles, chapter five, and uh, this is an occasion, a wonderful time in Israel's history. Solomon is king, and David had prepared um, many things for the house of God. But God waited until David died for his son Solomon to build the temple. And this was in 967 B.C. After a four-year co-reign between David and Solomon, David died. And then the work on the temple began. And it says in Second Chronicles 5, verse 1, Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of Jehovah was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver, and the gold, 
and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of Jehovah out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast which was in the seventh month, and all the elders of Israel came. And the Levites took up the ark, and they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark, sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of Jehovah unto his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark. And the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves of the ark, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle. But they were not seen without. And there it is unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put therein at Horeb, when Jehovah made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Now here we find that Solomon finished. It said in verse 1, um, all the work Solomon made for the house of Jehovah was finished. The preparatory items that David prepared were brought in and the house was finished. The only thing now was placing the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony into the most holy place or into the tabernacle. And the ark was put in. And, and the ark signified the presence of God, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ within the, the body of believers. Remember, this house pictures the other language we read earlier in Hebrews 3. Christ is a son over his house. Whose house are we? It pictures what First Peter 2 said, that you're built up um, living stones and a spiritual house. It pictures the statement in First Corinthians 3 that ye are the temple of it, or ye are the temple, the spiritual temple made up of everyone that God saves and once completed, that is, once God saved all of the elect, whose names were recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's say 200 million, if that's correct. Let's say 200 million, and then the 200 millionth individual was saved. The house is now finished. And what's the first thing that happens? The ark goes in, or the Spirit of God enters in and indwells this holy temple that's made up of all uh, those that he saved. Well, then we read in verse 11 of Second Chronicles 5, And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, 
For all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Now, let's not forget that we're reading Revelation 15. And Revelation 15 says, The seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And and we'll we'll look at that when we get to it, but but that is priestly attire. And they're they're coming out of the temple. Well here the Solomon's temple was finished, the ark goes in, and verse eleven of Second Chronicles five said the priests were come out of the holy place. And then it goes on to say in verse twelve also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen. And I emphasize that. Why? Well, in case you missed it, Revelation 15, 6, And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen. Uh, we, we can't help but see the connections, the tie-ins that are being made between these passages. All right, it continues in the middle of verse 12, having cymbals and psalteries and harps stood at the east end of the altar and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking Jehovah. When they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised Jehovah, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of Jehovah, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of Jehovah had filled the house of God. Now, um, let me go back to Revelation 15. And it says in uh, verse 8, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now, isn't, isn't this interesting? There's several, several connections. Remember at the beginning of the chapter, the, uh, the seven messengers which quickly gave way to those that had gotten the victory over the beast, were standing on a sea of glass. And we saw the relationship between the sea of glass and the molten sea that was in the temple that the priests were to ceremonially wash in before performing priestly duties. There was one tie-in. And that that's actually in Second Chronicles 4. That you could read about that. And then we're reading of the Ark of the Testimony, and and we have the Ark in view here. And we know also that those that had gotten the victory over the beast are the great multitude that came out of Great Tribulation. And the Bible teaches in many places that would have completed God's salvation program, thus completing the spiritual house of God, which relates to Solomon's house being completed and and then we're reading here 
Further, language of priests coming out of the temple, clothed in fine white linen. And the seven angels or messengers in Revelation 15 also are clothed in fine white linen and they have priestly attire and, and, uh, and so forth. There, there's even more tie-ins, but, um, we'll have to look at that in our next Bible study. We, we've run out of time for, for tonight. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.